In the last episode of the show, we are back with pilot Matt Jones. We've established Matt's credentials at the very start of the series, but now he's back to give us some more insight into the difficulties of flying a Spitfire around a multitude of locations and conditions around the world. So Matt, welcome back. It's been a while. Hi John, good to well? see you again. Yeah, very well, very good. well, thanks. Um, I've been chatting to some of your mates, some of the team members over the last few weeks, yeah, and yeah. Uh, I've managed to build a bit None of... None of it's true. <laughs> yeah, they said they'd say that. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I've built a much better picture of the longest flight and what it entails, but I'm yeah, hoping okay. today, because it's kind of uh, our last chat before you, you uh, embark on your trip, yep. uh, if we could just talk about the longest flight itself, please, and, and maybe if we could just start with the inspiration for it and how it all began. Yeah, sure. Um, Steve and I set up uh, Boltby Flight Academy 10 years ago. I think I mentioned this in our, in our last chat. And our, mm. our aim was to uh, inspire people through this aeroplane that already holds such an important place in mm. people's hearts um, and to break down the kind of barriers around it yeah. and to inspire people uh, worldwide. And we we kind of feel to a degree that we've succeeded in that in mm. this business so then we got given uh, these airplanes don't come up for sale very often yeah. and uh, we got an opportunity to buy an extremely original rare airplane and I, and I say that because uh, a lot of the rebuilds that are done these years these days, sorry, are done with sort of a very small component part. Mm, Martin was talking about that. Yeah. And then there is yeah. the technology around to put all the other bits yeah. you know, to, to either find original parts from other aircraft right. or to manufacture them mm -hmm. to make it into a, a new old Spitfire, if you like. Yeah. The special thing about this one is it last flew in 1956. It was then rolled into a museum where it's been ever since. So right. when we started the restoration or when Mo, Mo started or Martin started the mm. restoration, um, we rolled in a complete aircraft that mm. is incredibly rare, and particularly yeah. one that had wartime history. So, did his eyes light up? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, in many ways, it came through his business anyway, so right, he was okay. aware. But okay. you know, the opportunity to actually start the work on it was something yeah. he'd been waiting for for a while, um, and uh, and therefore, it's sort of it, it's it's much more special, perhaps than mm. than than other restoration aircraft and even quite a few of them that are, that are flying these days that right. I don't say purport to be because that makes it sound like the people are lying about their 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 heritage which they're absolutely not but the reality is an airplane that has flown for the last 70 years yeah. like Trigger's broom won't necessarily yes. be the same airplane that flew in the war whereas totally this good. really is the same metal it's a time war. capsule that you're just reactivating then exactly that yeah, yeah. so so given um how special it is yeah. we thought we need to do something special with it mm, mm. and our company mo as i said was always to inspire and to reunite yeah so we thought well, what can we do with this that um that does those things yeah um coincidentally i took my godson the first time i was sort of allowed to look after him yeah as a seven-year-old not me, him. <laughs> uh, I took him to see the Pixar film Planes. Oh, wicked. About a little uh, crop duster that flies yeah, around yeah, the world yeah, yeah. and there's a load of jets and warbirds in it. And yeah. I watched this I watched this boy 
um, who was fairly high on all the sugar and sweets that I bought him <laughs> that I didn't realize Before you, you were supposed back. to give kids. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which in itself was quite a lesson. Uh, uh, and I watched how inspired he was by yeah. this film. Brilliant. And I walked out of there and thought, well, we could do that. <laughs> but we could do it for real. If that inspired him that way, yeah. why don't we do something similar? Yeah. And it, it was at the same time that we were looking for something to do that was inspirational with this aircraft. Uh, so, oh, wow. so flying it around the world yeah. and reuniting it with all the other countries for whom yeah. it had sort of defended yeah. their freedom yeah. and, uh, and inspiring again kids along the way into engineering and into flying well, yeah it covers a whole range of things that kids will be inspired by doesn't it yeah exactly and that and that was the and and that's sort of a, a huge part of the reason for doing this and that, and that's why um it kind of came about and, and initially we talked about uh flying it down to south africa oh yeah okay um and we talked about other countries we could take it to we thought you know what if we're going to do this you know, let's go big. Let's do it properly. Yeah. You know, and uh, and do it once, and uh, and do something very special. So there wasn't a particular kind of a moment in a beer garden where someone said, "I know, let's go west." Of course, uh, <laughs> <laughs> there probably was. I mean, I'm, tr- I'm trying to make it sound a lot more intellectual than that, John. But the, the reality is, like so many of these ideas, beer had a part a part in its creation. <laughs> but then it's a creative lubricant, isn't it? it is. So it's bound to have a part. <laughs> But that's that's fascinating. So the the trip's going to it went through a few stages in its kind of evolution, um, uh, the concept at least. Yeah. And what you've come down on is is about about educating the next generation of Spitfire enthusiasts, almost. Yeah, actually, and making sure that the story lives on. Yes. And making sure the airplane keeps flying because they're fantastic in museums, but until you see one and hear one, yeah, you know, you you can't understand the power and the majesty of the thing. Yeah. So along that line, we decided, you know, this isn't, we are certainly commemorating the people who flew them. Yep. We are certainly commemorating the people who designed them, who built them, who maintained them. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, So there's thousands of families around the world that will be tied into this. But at the same time, we didn't want to make it, it could be seen, I think, as... Uh, to, I, you know, I'm trying to choose my words carefully here that we don't want to be overtly talking about 75 years ago and war and yeah. about when yeah. when Great Britain was great. Great Britain's still great now. Right. You know, we go through our ups and downs, but I'm still very proud of the country and a, yeah. and a part of this was waving the flag for yeah, the UK. Yeah, um, But to that end, and also to ease boundary crossing, etc., mm-hmm. we decided to uh, not put any military markings on it oh, okay. and, and, and polish the original metal right uh that that's uh, and also to take the guns off and that satisfied a number of uh, sort of requirements from us first of all as i've just mentioned mm. not, not not doing too much on the war stuff obviously yep. you know if we fly a, a camouflage airplane to russia they might get a bit funny there's probably a bit more chance than letting <laughs> us in if we're just silver yeah uh the fact that it is just polished sort of accentuates in our opinion the shape I and agree. the design yeah. look it's of the aircraft isn't it, exactly that yeah. and and i think in our last podcast we discussed about how beautiful mm. the airplane is mm. and, and it's about focusing on that mm-hmm. and then also we wanted people to be able to realize so so a lot of restorations that are done these days irrespective of how much of the original aircraft is original or, or, or is present yeah 
they always end up with the 2000 and whatever year it is finished in. So in our case, 2019 layer of paint over the top of it. Okay. So even if you tell the story to someone that this metal fought in the war, mm. this is the real thing. Mm. I think it's difficult personally to engage with it when you walk up to the aircraft and it just looks brand spanking new. Right, you don't really, you? you don't really believe mm. it in your core. So we thought, you know, we're, from a distance, it looks absolutely stunning. Mm. When you get close up, you can really see dents and dings and scrapes oh, and wow. scratches yeah. and stamp marks and original Castle Bromwich little, 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 I say, stamps again from when it was first manufactured. Oh, brilliant. And as a part of the, you know, as a part of the, uh, the process, yeah. the guys, who, Martin and his team, when they were rebuilding it, you know, we'd get calls come in. We need to ask you questions about this stuff. And he said, "Look, there's a big dent in the uh, in the top here. Do you want us to put a new panel in there?" We're like, "No, no, no, absolutely not." Yeah, so don't, well, the, don't someone, make it perfect. Exactly. Yeah. <coughs> he said, that, "Well, this this dent is probably just someone dropping a spanner on it." Like, Brilliant. That's <laughs> yeah. its history. It's part of the story, isn't exactly. It? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely right. Yeah. There is a, you know, this aeroplane. Let's face it, is about people. Yes. And the people who maintained it are as important as people who flew it and yep. designed it and all that sort of. So if a guy was out there and he dropped a spanner on it, he is part of its history. Yep. She is part of its yep. history. Uh, so we wanted it all there. So when you, if you, you know, when you come and see this aircraft, you can get up close yep. and believe. You Brilliant. know, this there is no doubt that this is 1940s metal. And is it reflective enough for the people who gaze upon it to see themselves in it? Is it that reflective? <laughs> I'm not sure where you're leading here, but no, I, no, I, I, I'm I do, not going anywhere. I do, get, I do get quite a lot of banter from my <laughs> friends for taking a flying mirror around the world. <laughs> <laughs> As the owner of a convertible car, which already uh, means I get quite a lot of banter. You can imagine uh, how merciless they are with me. <laughs> I wasn't specifically thinking about you, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that there's a sculptural element to it when you, like you say, when you strip the paint away and it becomes almost like a piece of silverware that would sit on a very nice Royal Air Force mess table back in the day. But then when the, the guys who come to visit, who come to see it, get right up close and they can see themselves reflected in it, I think that's got a quality too. Yeah. Because yeah. It, it puts depth into the actual fuselage and it does do that storytelling that you're talking about because so many people have got relatives uh, in the past who would have helped to build the 20-odd thousand aircraft that were made. Yeah. It was a massive factory that was pumping them out, like you say, at uh, Castle Bromwich, wasn't yeah, it? Unbelievable. Abs yeah, unbelievable. Absolutely right. And the engineers have found all sorts of interesting stuff. So so the, the way they make the tank panel mm. that sits over the top of the fuel tank in front of the cockpit um, these days is and I'm getting slightly again beyond my, uh, my my knowledge base here, but the way they explained it was the way they roll them then was very different to the way they roll them now. Oh, okay. Uh, and therefore, now it's too perfect. Uh, they would right. be too perfect. Right. Back in the day, there's all these sort of little, tiny little stretch marks and little and, imperfections, uh, little imperfections, yeah. and, and ways that the the tank was then sort of held and bent and a little bit more. Yeah. And they can see that, and you can see all of it in this tank panel, which mm. again you'd miss if you sprayed paint all over it. Yeah. Yeah. So there's all this there's all this sort of tactile element to the aeroplane, which again I think helps transport you back to the to the day it was built. And yeah. The, and, I think as it twelve pilots flew it in combat, and it, oh, really? you know, it had um, it flew before D-Day and after D-Day. It had mm. a, an incident in between, which meant it wasn't around during D-Day. Might well have saved it. Yeah. Um, but some fascinating history, you know, all sorts of, I, and you know, reading, you know, reading all the um, all the squadron reports and the pilots' mm. reports, which are still available, amazingly, uh, 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 how they, you know, what they did in those flights is exceptional, and how they yeah. you know, had skirmishes with these 
all these different aeroplanes and yeah, it's fast, absolutely brilliant. I've seen the photo of it back in its uh, its wartime coat of paint on your website actually, yeah, on the, on the yeah. longest flight website and the, the other thing that you made me think of then when you talk about the amount of care that's been lavished on it recently is it's kind of the opposite because they were built in an emergency and this one's been thousands and thousands of hours worth of loving restoration and yeah, it's exactly. probably um, in better nick now than it was when it rolled out the factory originally I think you're probably right to be honest I certainly hope so bearing yeah. in mind <laughs> bearing in mind what we're doing I know uh, I know all the veterans that have ever come to see us in the last 10 years have without fail said well we never saw Spitfires looking this good have they <laughs> you know, back, back in the day <laughs> uh, so I think as, a, as an industry we uh, and rightly so uh, pour care over them in a way that mm. they never did back then yeah. you know, they, were a, they were a machine then I think they were only designed for 250 hours were they really? yeah I didn't you, know, you know the, and, and we fly our two-seater 275 hours a year now wow um, so I, I, it's, which is a testament to the design, first yeah. of all, uh, yeah. you know, to the, and uh, but also gives you an indication of you know the thought process when they when they built the thing in the first place. Yeah. Which kind of leads me on before we talk about your longest flight in detail. Your, yeah. um, I think I probably know the answer to this already, but how, how confident are you before you set off that everything's just right? <laughs> <laughs> Ask me that in six months. <laughs> Do you know, every every leg will be an adventure on its own. I you bet. know, you tie all of them together. I, and I am not going to commit to that uh, to that question on the basis that uh, I will only focus as and as a team. We will only focus on each flight individually. Yeah. And when we get to the end of that one, I'll tell you how that, that one went. I think that's fair enough. Matt. I <laughs> can understand that completely. So, um, that, are you, that, go on. so that, I mean, that said, obviously, we've spent an enormous amount of time. Yeah. Uh, looking at the aircraft itself and any weaknesses it might have and anything we yeah. can do to improve that based on not only our operating knowledge but but the operating knowledge back in the day yep. um, uh, particularly for the longer flights when they were used for reconnaissance mm. um, uh, but also to trying to get permissions into countries where it's not an easy thing to do right uh, and even trying to get permissions into countries where it is easier to do, but they're not used to a sort of 1940s aeroplane that's not yeah. on a standard um, certificate of airworthiness. It yeah. flies on a permit to yeah. fly. Uh, you know, that in itself can create complexities. And, and what about the actual kind of journey itself? Then? Are you going to be doing all the legs yourself or is there going to be a team of you? No, there's two of us. There's two of us who are flying. Um, Steve and I, the, the two of us that own the business right. uh, and that own the aircraft. Um, we have a Pilatus PC-12 that's coming with us, which has been very kindly lent to us by a, a Danish company, okay. uh, bestseller, cool. Jack and Jones. Um, oh, Could you describe the Pilatus to the people listening? Yeah, it's a, it's a single turboprop uh, aeroplane that has similar... Um, kind of performance to the Spitfire in in, in terms of range with right. probably better range and but but um but similar speed to brand new. Oh wow. Uh it's got a PT6 engine which we hope is uh, is going to be reliable certainly um, if we were a betting man you, it, despite how reliable I believe the Rolls-Royce Merlin to be I think a, yeah. a turbine engine these days and the PT6 particularly is a is a is a good one. I hope I I'm, I'm searching for some wood yeah, to touch yeah, now. Quick. But, yeah, yeah, wood me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um and on that, we'll have uh, spares that we think are most likely oh, um, right, yep. to, to, to cause us problems or mm. parts of the engine and airframe that might cause us problems. 
we will have fuel in certain places because the fuel that the Spitfire uses is difficult to get okay. uh, in, some, in some countries. Mm. Um, what about the actual like, the mechanics of getting the fuel into the aircraft? There can't be many places that have got the right kind of uh, equipment to reach a Spitfire's tanks. Uh, it was just a hose. So, so, oh, so, really? it's not, so, so if they okay. come out, if you know, if they've got a, um, if they've got a Bowser fuel Bowser, then then, right. then we should be okay. Getting it out of tanks from the Pilatus mm. into the Spitfire is st- is something we're still working on. Actually, yeah. I think we've got the solution, but uh, right. we just haven't finalised it yet. But then we're also taking a film crew with us, so we can watch the adventure. Right. And uh, um, obviously, the spare pilot will be on the Pilatus and acting as sort of the. Uh, you know, if we have an emergency or something happens in the Spitfire, the yeah. Spitfire guy wants to be able to talk to someone else who knows a bit about them, yeah. uh, so that we maybe can maybe look at the airframe from the outside. Exactly, yeah. all that kind of all that kind of stuff. And mm. we'll we'll fly in formation in loose, mm. you know, in trail or in uh, in a sort of a loose formation the whole oh, okay. way. And and the you know the Spitfire has very little in the way of. Um, navigation equipment and very little in the way of sort of weather information or anything yeah. like that so the pilatus gives the spitfire the the, the kind of command center ability to be able to plan forward and make decisions for it to simplify the role that's of the good spitfire guy. so it's less of a mental burden because there's no autopilot on the spitfire no there's no that's right so Appar- apparently they used to use um uh like a elastic not elastic bands what they call the um uh like a bungee cord. Yeah, exactly that. Like right. a bungee cord sort of wrapped around the stick and then clipped onto either side. So oh, we might we might have to give that a go. But like anything, you know, management of change and all that, yeah. what we don't want to do is... Introduce is it on the day of the fight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So... Um, I've got this idea, lads. <laughs> so I think the old-fashioned way of trying to steer with your legs when you're trying to eat your sandwich or something, yeah. you know, halfway, halfway along a flight is probably yeah. the way it'll work. Okay. Um, and then you'll probably what, go into an even looser formation while you have your sausage uh, roll. Uh, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> I think yeah, the, the Pastry Pilates pilot. At which point, we'll be hovering over the throttle to make sure they can uh, they can pull away from us if necessary. At least there's no um, kind of mental strain on you navigationally because it's quite hands-on aeroplane to fly them in the autopilot. It is, um, it, it, but it's an easy aeroplane to fly once it's in the once it's in the cruise. To be okay. f- to be fair, so it does give you a lot of capacity to do other stuff. Um, but we're flying in we're flying in countries and areas at times where there is very little information. You know, right. when, when we're in Russia, for example, our destination uh, and um, and our departure airfield are the only two airfields we can possibly make it to. Oh wow, no diversion at all. No diversion at all. So if we we've we've reconfigured the aeroplane with wartime modifications and fuel tanks right. to be able to basically fly to our longest leg on the entire trip, okay. understand for whatever reason that the air p- the airfield is no longer an option, mm-hmm. turn around and go back. I see. So how long is your longest leg on this trip? 450 nautical miles. Oh, we've well. got plans. And, so. and do you know how long it is since a Spitfire's done this kind of uh, a leg? Notwithstanding, obviously, photo reconnaissance airplanes back in the 40s, but you know, is this something that's not been done for a long time? I think this year there's a, a Canadian Canadian Spitfire flew across the states. Oh, okay. I don't know how long. I don't think it had any modifications. So right. so it's got 85 gallons of, of fuel, and in the cruise mm. the airplane burns about 40 gallons an hour. So oh, okay. to dry tanks really you've got two hours mm. um, a smidge over. It probably runs to about two hours because you use more power for takeoff, obviously. Yeah. So. Um, and that's that leads me having a little bit of time on Pumas back in the day, which are renowned for having short endurance. 
If you've got an aeroplane with long endurance, how, how does your bladder compare to the fuel tanks? <laughs> <laughs> Creature comforts and all that. Yeah, I, I think uh, my, my, my hope, I guess. So, so if at, 400 and, at 450 nautical miles, we shouldn't be airborne for more than three hours. Right, okay. So I hope, th- I feel, you know, I'm getting older, but uh, <laughs> I guess there's an age limit at which my bladder probably couldn't last three hours, but I think I'm just, just within it. As long as you remember not to load up on tea before <laughs> exactly. you get in. Yeah, yeah. And I think, uh, I think I don't know, I don't know the sort of the, the, how the body works in this respect, but I get the feeling that adrenaline um, mm. helps you in that respect. Yeah. Um, I've certainly, you know, I've flown, a, I've flown jets around for a long time and not had to use the loo in those for, for longer distances so yeah well fingers crossed because you are going to be doing some water crossings as well so you'll be bundled up so talk to us a little bit about the kind of the other cockpit essentials then as you as you're traveling around the world what are the things that you'll have to wear and carry i kind of think that's a question for you john isn't it (laughs) that's your expertise Uh, you know you've played a big part in training us to survive if things go if things go wrong and putting the kit together um so i i feel really that you know you're now really testing me to see how much i've taken on board <laughs> it's unfair of me to it ask is. questions about the it stuff is. we chatted about two months ago there's a long there's a long there's a long list that's being banded around of what we need what i must say actually is how fantastic the royal air force have been in supporting us oh, for this you know i don't think you can say spitfire any in the world anywhere in the world without um without the raf being mm. you know associated of course uh and as a an air force pilot yourself i'm sure it's in your blood you know this this aircraft uh as everyone i've ever met from the air force is so to have their support and that you know they and you go through this sort of training go through this sort of thought patterns in in your training and preparing for combat and in combat you know if this sort of stuff happens so expertise that we couldn't learn in a thousand years of trying it you know you we're being uh, we're being lent and given very very freely so it's a huge thanks to them for their support we're just like the aircraft mate the the training that we did with you we're just the custodians of the knowledge for now because a lot of it was learned back in the day by you know bitter experience yeah yeah absolutely absolutely but uh, yeah huge huge thanks no to answer your question yeah, yeah, yeah. um we need a dress to survive just to survive. Protection, protection, protection. <laughs> anyone, I, I know there was a list of four things, but, but the first one I can only remember is protection. That you can't go wrong water, if you do that really water well. Water came in there somewhere yeah, as well. Yeah, don't worry about that. <laughs> oh, is it? No, it's not a test. It's all right. <laughs> we need to talk after this. I need, no a, ref- I need a refresher. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so I think a, a life raft. I think a single man life raft that we can mm. use both in the sea or in the uh, or in the uh, you know if we if we have to jump out over land in jungle or whatever. Mm. Um, basic provisions, the ability to light a fire, and uh, hopefully to find some find some food on the ground there. You should be all right. I don't think there'll be that long to wait. Well, that's the hope. You yeah. know, again, we're getting all sorts of support by search and rescue, and yeah. um, and we're not at war, so we're not having to sort of oh, yeah, not hiding hide. from anybody. Yeah, we're doing quite quite the opposite. <laughs> yeah. uh, and additionally, we're taking every bit of digital kit we can to be found. Perfect. Yeah, uh, we we are inhabitants of the twenty first century, yeah. so. There's a, there's a line you can't cross, isn't there? You've got to do it the right way. Exactly. Yeah. We, um, Iridium are also supporting us. And oh, they, are they? And, and they've And they've put kit in the aeroplane. They're putting stuff on our in our life jackets yep. that will track us on the ground. Brilliant. And then spoke to another company recently. They're going to lend us a uh, sat um, phone case oh, where you okay. put your iPod, your iPhone yes. into a case and then it carries on working like an iPhone wherever you are in the world but Excellent. does it does it through a satellite and, it's, space. and it's floats and it's that's good and you, yeah <laughs> and, it, and it 
obviously therefore is waterproof and yeah. you can't be crushed and all that sort of stuff. So oh, brilliant. like I said to them, I think all I need in there is one phone number and that's my mother's. And if my mother hears <laughs> I'm in trouble somewhere, the, she will not stop. Yeah. You, you <laughs> joke, Matt, but everybody phones the parents when yeah, these things happen. <laughs> <laughs> but that, the, only, the only bit to the, add to your amazing floating sat phone is probably tie it on. Yes, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, again, you'll be part of creating the pack. And I, I know the guys at, at Coningsby are going yeah, to help, help out in that Great. respect. And uh, that's RF Coningsby. Uh, uh, mm. and, and they're going to sort of refine the pack so that everything that we would have to jump out with that we possibly need to stay alive for a day or mm. two um, will be will be with us. We're then also taking a, a pack in the Pilatus as well. Oh, okay. Um, we have a, a, a removable plug door in the cargo door at the back, which mm. means we can not only film from it, but also, uh, and, all, and more importantly, um, send out some more emergency equipment if required. Okay, that's good. Um, and you mentioned earlier that there's a, a trail aircraft potentially for the water crossings. Yeah, yeah. Um, not confirmed yet, but... Uh, from from Scotland to to uh, Canada, we may well have a, a, an escort from an American P eight, um, which uh, I don't know the details of. It's one of the uh, RAF contingents who's who's actually flying the uh, the Pilatus is uh, is the ex officer commanding Battle of Britain flight, uh, oh, right. Ian Smith. Excellent. So he's got uh, yeah. he's got an enormous amount of uh, Spitfire experience. He will undoubtedly do some of the flying as well, particularly yeah. actually as I've just found out my. My other half is pregnant with our first child. Oh, and congratulations. I'm, and I'm going to be coming home halfway through the trip. So having oh, him really? on board to fly the Pilatus and do, um, and do uh, you know, some of the displays that are needed yeah. um, is, is, is fantastic. Well, that's, a, that's great news for you. But how does, the, uh, how does your family feel about your adventure? <laughs> What's their take on all this? Stiff upper lip so far. Right. I have to say she's been very, very good about it. And... You know, she's. We've been talking about this trip for a long time now. Yeah. So she's had a she's had a a, um, a chance to um, get used to it. But as we get much much closer, I think the reality is dawning. As it is for me, to be honest. Yeah, fair enough. Um, it stops being an idea that it was dreamt about. And yeah, yeah, exactly. And the day will never come, sort of thing. Yeah. And the day is less Counting than hundred away now. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I think you know, I think it's going to be difficult for her. Uh, I think it's always difficult for people left behind, wandering and worrying. Mm. And uh, but we'll stay in touch. We've got you know all this help, this communication yeah. help. So there's yeah. and, it, and it's a it's a much smaller world these days in yeah, that respect. Is. So we can we can stay in touch. And uh, and I'm confident you know that we can only fly the aeroplane on nice days. Right. True. We yeah. can only fly the aeroplane during the day. Mm -hmm. uh, that means as part of our planning, if we're going to fly one of the longer legs and we have to presume that something's going to go wrong yep. at the worst case point and fly back again we could yep. be airborne for five hours right um but we need to make sure that when we're landing back that it's, it's still okay. daylight yeah. so we yeah. have to go early and the idea of flying first thing in the morning to any pilot i think is much better than flying last thing at night because uh, you tend to you have less and less options as you as you lose light mm. And that gives me confidence, you know, the search and rescue all around the world. We're talking to lots of different people who are going to help in that respect. And uh, and I think, you know, six, seven hours or so of daylight, summer months as well, northern hemisphere, all of that really goes in our favour in terms of being found if, if something goes wrong. Yeah, so well, hopefully you won't need any of those contingencies. It's just, you just have blue skies for fingers the vast crossed. majority. That would yeah. be lovely. Hi, I'm Justin Hast, writer and photographer. If you're enjoying the Spitfire podcast, why not take a look at my video series, Time Flies, 
where IWC museum curator Dr. David Seifer and I compare and contrast pilot's watches old and new, carefully detailing what makes each model unique. You can find the series on IWC Watch's YouTube channel or search hashtag IWC Heritage. Win the day, folks. What about you yourself, Matt? How much physical training have you had to put in? Is there any specialist stuff you've been doing? I'd love to say I'd love to say I had the time to do any. To be honest, right. it's one of those things that, that you know the closer we get, the more and more busy um, mm. we become. And uh, much as I wanted to get fit, or get fitter, I mean, obviously I'm fairly fairly peak physical. I'm not at all. <laughs> Don't believe him, folks. <laughs> Don't believe him. I sit here just having had a, a couple of croissants and uh, enjoyed every. No, but in fairness, mate, you do look like you're in good shape for the trip. I was wondering if you've been do, like doing any kind of endurance fizz, anything like that, just to maintain that. I haven't actually. I mean, it, 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 flying is an interesting one because you know a lot of fighter pilots are um, stocky and not too tall mm. because of the physiology of uh, dealing with G-force. Yeah. Uh, and when we display the Spitfire, we pull these days really maximum of 4G, but it has an effect on you. Uh, the fitter you get, the more aerobically fit you get, the less well you deal with that. So, right. so fighter pilots, uh, as I understand, spend a lot of their time when they're not telling people they're fighter pilots <laughs> uh, in the gym, you know, okay. doing, doing that kind of um, workout, and which I've never, I've never really had the concentration for. Um, so my way of dealing with that is just to eat cakes. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> I'm 100% with you. But that's good for morale, isn't it? It is it's an important morale. factor. E exactly. <laughs> exactly. And we will, we will do a, uh, a blog, I'm sure, of the different types of cakes that we can uh, find around the world. <laughs> Silver Spitfire via croissants. <laughs> <laughs> and what about as you go around then? Have you uh, got any specific uh, venues that people are going to be able to come and see which cakes you're eating? <laughs> I can see Mary Berry's going to have to get involved <laughs> with this now. Um, we're doing quite a few events. We're doing um, some in the US on the East Coast, in Boston, right. uh, out in Santa Monica, uh, LA, uh, up in Vancouver in Canada. We're oh, doing, actually, cool. we, we, I've, I've missed, we're, we're planning to, to meet up with the Red Arrows in Gatineau oh. in Canada. Okay. And do a fly past of the government building there with um, the Canadian Lancaster, their two Great. Spitfires and a yeah. Hurricane as well, which would be a huge, um, you know, a huge honour yeah, to, to do that and fun as well. Yeah, but, yeah. but um, so that actually that's that's the sort of first target that we've mm. got. We're being uh, we're being sort of very careful about giving ourselves targets because, as you know, that in itself puts pressure on yeah. our fit, and, and and we are, as I said, a day day VFR, so visual flight rules only aeroplane, mm. and putting pressure on going when it's maybe not the right weather is yeah. what can hurt people. So yeah. um, we want to get to these places. We'll do everything we can. We've mm -hmm. put contingencies in the in the planning process to mm -hmm. allow for those, but you just never know what's going to come up. So. Well, that's prudent, isn't it? How, how can people follow your progress online then? If it's going to be a little bit more flexible as the days wear on, how, how can they track your progress? So we've got a, a website, uh, www. which I don't think you have to say anymore, uh, www.silverspitfire.com, and there's a tracker on there. Excellent. Some of our partner sites, so um, we are, uh, our media partner, the Daily Telegraph, will be running vlogs and blogs yeah. Uh, articles in their in their paper, and they've set up a micro site as part of their main site, also with the tracker on. Uh, there'll be a lot of information on that yeah. daily, if not weekly, of of our progress. Same on our site. Same on a couple of our uh, key sponsors' mm -hmm. uh, sites. So IWC, 
will have the same tracker and the same access to the to the same uh, same uh, digital information. Right. Uh, and also uh, Jack and Jones in Denmark, the, the same again. Oh, excellent. Uh, so there's lots of ways, hmm. lots of ways to engage. And are you uh, going to be keeping track of your, your progress on social media, that kind of thing, your personal accounts? Uh, I believe so. <laughs> I, I, I half understand what that meant. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I feel like a spitfire. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not massively. I have to say, I'm not massively <laughs> okay with uh, Instagram and and Facebook and all and all that stuff. I just know it does play a key part in this inspirational element yeah. of what we're doing, and we are yeah. engaging with it. And we have people far brighter than me who understand all that stuff. And the best way of getting that out to mm. make sure that uh, that we can not only engage with you know 50, 60, 70 year olds, that we can also engage with. Younger, yeah, younger young, generation young, younger generation it's more immediate as well for that yeah think. exactly yeah. and and there will be you know a big part of this trip not only the inspirational element not only the adventure part was you know photographing this this fabulous piece of of design against mm. other both man-made and naturally made places in the world oh, of uh, course, so yeah. such as the and, and again, each of these places I'm going to I'm going to mention still require permission. So right. please don't take it for granted. This is going to happen. But our aim is to fly against the, you know, the Great Wall of China, the Taj Mahal, oh, the, the pyramids, etc., yeah. etc. And that in itself is very um, sort of suitable content for the mm. likes of Instagram, which is very yeah. image, which is very image image um, mm. driven. So I think there'll be some fantastic content in there mm. for, for people on that. It sounds yeah. like it. And what, having done a little bit of working with cameras in, in my past, what kind of extra pressures will that put on you as a pilot to maintain a, you know, a, a slack orbit around some pyramids where there's a Cairo off to your right and your false landing opportunities <laughs> are diminishing? <laughs> yeah, so that's a huge part of... of um, of the planning, you know, that yeah. when we're flying these airplanes, it's one engine and it's an old engine, albeit mm. that this, the engine in this one has been completely restored and re, uh, over the last six months and delivered back to us three weeks ago. And it's an engine we've flown 500 hours on already yeah. uh, two years ago. So we have confidence in it. That said, we have to presume it's going to fail whenever we're flying. Right. And our planning takes that into consideration. Mm. And, and any emergency we have, we want to ensure has no effect on people on the ground. So our plan always takes us over places where we have the option to go right, right. either into a river if we're over a city mm -hmm. or, or into a field preferably yeah. uh, in any other scenario. Okay, and you've uh, worked with Ben and the camera team for long enough to know that they, they will always want more. Y yeah, absolutely, <laughs> isn't that? That's part of the, um, that's part of the industry, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, on, this, on this expedition, we have briefed them. I know they'll ignore it. <laughs> we have briefed them. It's, uh, you know, get what you can. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think there should be enough footage that we get an enormous amount of fantastic stuff anyway yeah, yeah. Uh, and we'll get better at grabbing it in certain stages but undoubtedly i think in the last photo shoot i did with john dibbs who's coming who's coming with us on the trip is a fantastic photographer and videographer mm. one of the best in the world i think i went around the needles 16 times <laughs> to get one shot yes <laughs> sounds about right yeah. i think you got off lightly yeah, yeah. <laughs> got, uh, and, and the door in his airplanes on the right hand side so we could only do left turns to make it happen i got very very bored of turning left <laughs> <laughs> but at least you'll have nailed your left. So exactly. Home, yeah. exactly. No dramas with that. Yeah. What about in the um, in the cockpit itself? Are they rigging any GoPros or any of that kind of? Yeah, we're going to put a few cameras in. Uh, we yeah. had we had a few ideas of sort of live streaming, but it but it transpires that the the technology is there to do that, but the amount of kit you have to carry just made it not possible right. really really for this. So yeah. we'll um, 
at least that's where we are at the moment. I think there's still some people doing a bit of research in that Is respect. It? So, you know, it may change, but uh, we'll certainly be videoing and, and maybe even doing some, some live chats oh, from, from the cockpit, which, wow. I think, which I think if we can make happen would be great. Yeah, that uh, would be awesome. On a sort of much lesser version of Tim Peake sort of talking to the school kids from <laughs> space. Some a couple of old guys flying around the world in an old uh, aeroplane talking to you're playing it down. I think it's equally <laughs> inspiring, and it's, it's like once again, it's got global reach. This kind of thing, yeah, it has. You yeah. know, and, and it's yeah, it's exciting and to be able. You know, I, I've flown a jet around the world before, and and that was spectacular. But you fly a thousand miles between locations. And you engage with where you land and you engage with the, your destination, or, yeah. uh, sorry, your departure and destination place. But the bit in the middle you kind of miss. Yeah. Our aim on this trip is to fly. So, so the trackers enable people to see where we are real time. Right. And our, our aim is to fly low level. So people mm. who are interested can be in a right spot. So low level to, in helicopters is 50 feet. What's, what's so, level so medium, medium level, <laughs> <laughs> about fifteen hundred feet, fifteen hundred to, low, to actually, two thousand yeah. feet. Yeah. We, we need to be reasonably high, so we've got an option to jump out if we yeah. have to. But equally, at that height, people will be able to recognise the elliptical wings exactly, yeah. and 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 see the reflection, and yeah. you know. Um, so that's a really that's a really Im important part of you know yeah. of the trip and the engagement part of of of. of of being low down and then out allowing people to become inspired by it definitely something for people to look out for and, and listen out for as well because at that height you'll be able to hear the Merlin won't you yeah absolutely yeah. and then for us from a, you know from inspiring ourselves point of view I don't know there's a picture I have in my in my mind uh, we'll, we'll be flying through Alaska during the salmon run so oh, wow. so Alaska is essentially a desert of snow for I think eight nine months of the year um, but for three or four months it is an oasis of yeah. life yeah uh, and during that time, all the salmon then come back in from the sea and go to their sort of mm -hmm. spawning grounds, and the bears know this, so they yep. sit by the side and hook the... You know, the idea of running down the beaches in Alaska with all this greenery below and Mount McKinley in the background yeah. and bears on the beach and praying for the engine to keep running. For <laughs> <Yes. laughs> some reason for me, that is that's the kind of moment that I'm looking forward to the most. And that really? Would, yeah, hugely. That will be inspiring, because you'll be able to see all the kind of the... The pattern of life below you, not too many people, I guess. And then you're actually going to be crossing continents, aren't you? Yeah, be, yeah. absolutely. Straight across. And, and right from the outset, what we've wanted, what we've tried to do is set this up so that people can really feel like they're with us on the trip, that they're mm. having that experience. So everything we're doing in that respect, both talking about it, videoing it, both from the cockpit yeah. and from outside, is giving people that opportunity to feel like they're on an adventure as well. Oh, I'm really looking forward it. to following your progress. What about when we get towards the end of the trip then? What's, what kind of things have you got planned for your return to Goodwood? Um, sleep. <laughs> <laughs> These trips by their nature are extremely tiring and we've got mm. a you know, fairly full-on full itinerary. It will be a wonderful, wonderful feeling to think we've done it. I, yeah, I think, yeah. think it will probably take a while. We're not committing too much to... Um, you know, to what will happen at that part. The um, the Red Arrows have said they will escort us across the White Cliffs. Oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah. Presuming, you know, the right weather yeah. uh, at that time for them to get down from up north, which would be wonderful. Hmm. Um, uh, but we'll get down, kiss the ground, <laughs> have a pint. Brilliant. Go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> and I need, I need a more rock star story than that, don't I? Yeah. We, we can work on that, yeah. <laughs> we'll make something up. What about afterwards with the, the airframe itself then? Is there any plans to get uh, let people come and have a look? Yeah, absolutely. So so this, the, so we get back in December uh, this year. 
uh, all things going well. Yeah. Uh, next year, the airplane will be on the um, airshow circuit. Oh, so that's we'll good. Have the yeah. opportunity. We haven't decided yet whether to have it flying or whether to have it land side because when you're mm. at an airshow, you really have to choose one or the other because right. if the airplane's prep for flight, we can't let people get too close to it. Mm-hmm. So we will probably, I think, as we're doing it. Um, Legends at Duxford this year is yeah. have it uh, land side, yeah, so people people can get up close. That's what I would want to see, I suppose. And it'll, yeah. it, it's deserved a bit of time off, hasn't it? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Although interestingly, it'll have done a hundred less than one hundred and fifty hours, and our two seater oh, does two hundred and seventy five a year. So, right. Uh, and and that's one of the way. That's the one of the <laughs> ways I like I that, console yeah. myself, yeah. you know, in thinking, God, is this dangerous? What we're doing? I think, well, hang on, I know we're flying this aeroplane already twice this a year. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And this is, and, and that's in, you know, 20 minute flights, and we'll be doing two or three hour flights at the time. And, and you know, aeroplanes, landings and takeoffs are the stressful parts. Sitting yeah. in the cruise is, is much more comfortable for them. So hopefully we're not going to, yeah. ta- you know, test it. Um, Just tear along. In that respect. Yeah. Most of the hours will be spent at cruise. One of the things we're going to do actually in the in the in the air show, and and I think again uh, we're just waiting for the final details on when we'll do this for the first time, or indeed where. But one of our ideas currently at Duxford is to have, and we're certainly going to do this on the day we leave. Mm-hmm. Is but to have um, school kids uh, come and sign the wing oh, in, in in Delaval Inc. Yeah. Um, because again, it gives them the opportunity to get up close. It's yep. it very much in line with our initial. Um, uh, mo for the company yeah um and gives them this opportunity to be a part of the trip and mm. and, and feel it and see it and mm. by 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 signing it they'll then see it fly later in the day and they'll know that their name is on yeah. it and that gives them a connection in the same way that for the presentation spitfires people felt proud to have the name yeah. of their town yeah. on the side of it and then you know the kind of strap line for that is that you know people's wishes uh, are kind of under the wing, keeping us aloft. Is oh, the, that's is the nice. kind of yeah, kind yeah. of idea, yeah. which comes back to to an extent. Um, again, one of the inspirations, you know, or one of the part of the, of the inspirations for this was the John Gillespie McGee right, sonnet, right. which yeah. has inspired so many aviators worldwide yeah. i think it's nasa's uh, i don't know dedicated poem i didn't know that um but he uh john Gillespie mcgee was a spitfire pilot and he wrote that having flown a spitfire for the first time felt uh, the freedom and, yeah mm. and it and it, and it, and it, and it puts into words in a way that pilots are notoriously not very good at doing <laughs> about how this stuff feels yeah um and one of his lines is on laughter silvered wings Wow. And we are taking in a Spitfire around the world with silver wings. So that that whole sort of signing it kind of, for me, felt like it was tying into that inspirational part of his of his poem. I think that's the perfect way to, to round out our little chat today. That's, Is it? Yeah, that's, that's superb, Matt. And, um, mate, all the best of luck with Expedition. It's an adventure. You're doing the right thing by a, a piece of icon, uh, iconic design. You're taking it around the world. You're spreading that message of, of design, technology, beauty and aviation all the very best, mate. Blue skies. Thank you. Thanks, John. I look forward to seeing you in uh, in Goodwood in December. My pleasure, yeah. <laughs> Take care, mate. Cheers. <laughs> you can still borrow my coat, by the way. Thanks. That's all right. <laughs> So, unfortunately, that is all we have for this initial instalment of the Spitfire podcast. I hope that this has been insightful and shed a little extra light on the beautiful and iconic Spitfire that forms part of history. 
a machine that stands as a symbol of peace internationally. I'd like to thank all of our contributors for playing their part in keeping these planes in the sky and giving future generations the opportunity to see them, and in some cases, take them up. Please check out the Longest Flight Expedition online at silverspitfire.com or if you want to find out more, you can visit the IWC YouTube channel for more about the Spitfire in their aviation series or learn more about the IWC's Pilot Watch collection. Hopefully we'll be back with some more Spitfire insights in the future, but until then, goodbye.